Ladies and gentlemen, this stage is set. The mics are on. It's not another fight cast time. With your hosts, fighting out of the blue corner. This man is a former fighter. The voice of Brave Combat Federation and Clan Wars MMA. The great and powerful Phil Campbell. Fighting out of the red corner. This man is a former fighter. And now one of the best coaches in mixed martial arts. The one and only Andy the Icon Burrow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome along to another edition of Not Another Fightcast with myself, Phil Campbell, and my illustrious co-host, Mr. Andy Burrows. Andy, how's one? Not too bad, Phil. Glad to get the show back um, where we should be. Uh, folks, if you haven't had a chance, go back and give our last show a little listen. We uh, went along and discussed some upcoming fights, broke down some of the upcoming shows uh, coming to Ireland. Uh, specifically uh, things like Clam Wars, we talked about the Bellator, the Cage Conflict, and also the upcoming Cage Warriors show. So go back and give that a listen. Also had great feedback from Adam Stewart, I said this last time out, but go back and give Adam a listen too. And that brings us to where we are now. Um, we do have a guest for you this time, and the guest is one and only my brother, Mr. Johnny Burroughs. Johnny, how the hell are you? Uh, hi Andy, how you fella? I'm not too bad at all. Thank you very much for having me on. Good about time. Um, we've sort of kicked this around a while now that we said we would bring you on the show. So we've got you here and we've got you captive, obviously, so we can now ask you a few questions um, and get your view. So first of all, literally tell us, how did you get started out in martial arts? Um, it's quite strange, actually. I, um, I played rugby at a reasonably high level for a while, uh, but I got a quite a bad injury. Um, once that sort of healed up, I'd kind of fallen out of love with rugby and I was looking about for something to do and I took up mountain biking and I enjoyed mountain biking, I enjoyed going for miles across what they call single track and that was great but I had a wee bit of a fear of downhills and technical downhills and I reading in a um, mountain bike magazine there was a guy who uh, he was a semi-pro boxer and a downhill mountain biker, and he had the same fear as me. And so basically what I did, he, he said, look, the boxing helps me deal with my fear. And so I went and I looked about, and I was actually playing squash in a local leisure centre, and I saw a, an advert for a, a Chinese Kung Fu, Wing Chun thing, and I went to it, and I liked it. And that was basically the start on once I'd sort of got a wee bit of uh, experience with that, I sort of wanted to move on to other other bits and pieces after I've been watching actually the first UFC. Um, I think it was about UFC 3 or 4. Well, you watched that at the time? Like, yeah, at the time, yeah. Was at the time. Oh, right. At the time, yeah. At the time. I remember actually seeing, it was like um, uh, a Sunday morning magazine show and I had this thing on it and I was sort of like, oh my God, look what's happening here. And they call it extreme fighting, and they had um, a picture of, uh, of uh, Igor Zinoviev, who had recently beaten Mario Sperry in a, an extreme conflict or extreme fight. I can't even remember the name of the show. And I had the, that video of the, of the two of them fighting, and they're going, How do, This is disgraceful, this is banned in so many states. I go, well, you know what? I, that kind of looks fun. <laughs> and so that's kind of where I, I got started and what I wanted to do. Um, that, that's basically it. That's just how. A bit unusual, I know, but here, everybody's their own path. Especially, we're, we forget now, we're, we're kind of spoilt for choice. There's martial arts clubs like 
really good, legitimate martial arts and mixed martial arts clubs all over Belfast, all over the north, all over the south. So it's very easy to get involved in the sport. How did you go about getting involved in the? Because there weren't the the continuity of clubs, the frequency of clubs. Like it must have been difficult to actually find a grounding in the sport. Honestly, I had no idea. Uh-huh. Um, I'd gone to my coach at the time and said, "Listen, I would like to try this," and nobody had a. a looking back on it now, we genuinely hadn't a, a, a clue. But somebody, I don't think, I can't remember whether it was me or was it, it was Tom, it was my coach at the time, Tom Lamont, um, contacted Lee Hasdale. And Lee Hasdale had run um, sort of amateur events and a couple of uh, pro events. He'd fought in, in the Rings uh, organisation in Japan, in Japan and, in yeah. Hol- and in Holland the as well. Fedor and Randy fought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I, I think Lee actually fought Fedor. I don't think he lasted too long, God help him. Um, but he did actually fight fight Fedor and uh, he fought a few other ones. John Hankerman, or not John Hankerman, uh, Chris Heisman, mm-hmm. the Australian guy, he was one of the, he fought and people like that. And, and so we contacted him and he had like a um, total fighting, he called it, and it was like basically an amateur thing held on mats with uh, shin guards and um, gloves and no head strikes. And so we did that for a while and then, and then sort of we got a first go at a sort of like a a proper MMA competition but looking back on it now I had not a clue what I was doing you know hindsight's a great thing but here something I have to start somewhere yeah at that at that time basically mixed martial arts was the wild west though and I remember those shows too it was called the Total Fight Forum it <coughs> was held in, in Milton Keynes in a leisure centre was the original amateur offence and then they moved on to a place that's called the Sanctuary which has been knocked down now um, and in that place called the Sanctuary lots of I suppose were, you could call them professional fights if you remember rightly they were held in a ring um, there was guys like Phil Norman who was on Gladiators at the time one Gladiators yeah one Gladiator and he went on to be a judge on that and there was obviously Lee competed himself there was guys like Martin Carter do you remember Martin kickboxer really really good Andy Farrell um, again another excellent fighter from James Sakic James Sakic as well that's right you had um, all those guys and girls were oh, guys at that stage were on the show but it, it was a wild west and I don't really think anybody knew what they were doing at that time no but th- this is like this, you know if you look at MMA now and this, it's like the circle of life it's just it's one sort of starting point and it's just come right the way around now. and it, it's, a, it's a benchmark you know that's you have to have a benchmark alright that's a pretty low benchmark mm-hmm. but it's a starting point it's a starting a point you know it's you not, have to have you know it, you know, it's it should be a case of continuous improvement. It doesn't always work like that, and it's stalled and hiccuped. I think, but yeah, but it's that was a starting point for me and yourself, yeah. and, and a load of other people. I actually <coughs> believe think that maybe Mark Goddard fought in this. I'm I'm not hundred um, percent. Leon, uh, Leon Edwards definitely did. Leon Roberts, Roberts. Leon Roberts, Leon Roberts, Roberts. fantastic official. Um, yeah, fantastic. he also had uh, um, what do you call your guy, uh, Lee Murray. Lee Murray. Right, yeah. Lee Murray. Lee was actually one of it was really really dead on. There was a few dickheads at the time, and Lee was one of the nicer people. Yeah. Um, and you had Alex Reed, Alex Owen. You know when when Alex Reed wasn't dressing up as a woman, he was actually quite a, a really good MMA fighter mm-hmm. at the time. You know, yeah. not taking a piss out Alex again because he was actually quite nice. Um, so I like Lee Murray. I like Lee Murray. Yeah, Lee Murray was a me. really really he good was really guy. Nice, really yeah. dead on. Just for, turns out he's for people who may not know about Lightning Lee Murray, he is allegedly. One of the men behind one of the biggest, is it the biggest bank robbery in, in, in the history of the UK? Well, he was con- he was convicted, obviously, obviously, but I mean, it's convicted in absentia. 
Yeah. Morocco? He's in Morocco. Yeah, he's in dad's Moroccan. He's serving time in a Moroccan prison yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So every now and then he pops up, my, he's a friend of mine on Facebook, and every now and then he pops up, obviously, when he gets a mobile phone smuggled in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I did actually see Lee Murray knock out um, Tito Ortiz. That's that was after the brawl at the Albert Hall UFC it was outside was it? China Whites and did it go down is because there's that many sort of uh, rumour and conjuncture about how it went down did it actually go down the way people say I don't know but I can tell you what I know there was me there was a, a very very fine gentleman called Andy Jardine ran Millennium Brawl um, I've stayed in contact with Andy over the times he's, he's had a few ups and downs in his life but the guy's an, in my book an absolute legend and a, a smashing guy we were having we'd had a few beers and things like this we'd met Tito and um, some of his entourage the night before I think the devil's with him yeah, Chuck Liddell couldn't stand yeah Chuck Liddell couldn't stand um, uh, he, so he, Tito was a champ at the time Tito would have been the light heavyweight champ, been the heavy champ. Chuck, Chuck Liddell could not stand he was that drunk lovely man but he, could, he literally physically couldn't stand up um, there uh, and basically as far as I saw it there was some of Tito's uh, entourage I think it was a guy called Bo came in and there was a, a, a bit of an, an altercation started next thing I know I remember he shook come on Irish get on there and I'm like I'm looking at him now nowhere in London he made it to, you know calm your jets and the next thing I saw was uh, Lee Le- pretty much a straight right and then on the way down he shin kicked Tito in the head now in fairness Lee appeared to be as sober as a judge, and Tito wasn't, um, to say the least. Um, that didn't take away from Lee's skill because Lee obviously then went on to fight in the UFC, yeah. and he's also famous for beating Pele. Yeah. Um, at that stage, who was one of the top fighters yeah. on the planet. He was also the, the last guy to take <coughs> Anderson Silva to decision in like a ten-year span because mm-hmm. Anderson Silva went on an absolute tear. Nobody had gone beyond the third round with him. No, that was a cage rage, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a cage rage. Yeah. Dave O'Donnell. Yeah. And then he, I think he made it to the UFC and I think he tapped out, who did he tap out? Jorge Rivera. Jorge, Jorge Rivera, Rivera, yeah. Jorge Rivera. Rivera. Yeah. And that's, and Rivera made a, UFC uh, 40 something. Mm. Rivera made a very disrespectful video of him beforehand. Well, Rivera did the same thing to Bisping and it didn't yeah. work out for him. No. Um, I'm glad it didn't work out for him against Lee as well because he seems to be a bit of a tool. What yeah. could it, what are you reckon? What could have been with Lee Murray had he and not Honestly, been involved in the... Truthfully, I think he would have been the UFC. I think he would have been the first UK um, champion. Yeah. I think he ticked all the boxes. By all accounts, he was an absolute beast in the gym. He was training with very, very good guys in London Shoot Fighters. Um, but London Shoot Fighters then was a different place too. London Shoot Fighters wasn't what it is now. I don't know. I don't. I don't know too much I mean, about how good London Shoot Fighters is. Well, I mean, London Shoot Fighters. I mean, you're not seeing. I'm sure they do have good fighters. MVP. Yeah, but I mean, MVP's a standout at the minute. Whereas beforehand, you had James Sickich. You you were having people like Lee Murray. There was um, the Dexter fight out of London yeah, as Dexter well. So you had maybe three or four good guys at the same time, all high standard. The, yeah. the, what do you call the big fellow Shipman? I think he fights out of London ship fighter, Bellator fighter. is very very oh, solid. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's a London. James ship Haskell fighter. seemed to be. Yeah, Haskell, another one. You know, <laughs> fuck off, mate. I'm, I'm not having that with Haskell. Like, do you know what? Here, listen. I, I, Haskell's been training apparently for about the last two to three years. Yes, he has. He hasn't. He, he's been. Ta- he's, he had a path, a career path outside this. He probably doesn't need the money. No. So I, I'm, ge- I'm guessing he doesn't need the money. So he's doing it because he, he's looking forward to doing this. He's going to be very trainable. 
because he's going to be used to play. Uh, well, he's, he's, he's an athlete. He is an, he is an uh, athlete. I'm not taking away from his athletic endeavour. I just think he gets on like a twat. Do you know what? Yeah, well, maybe so. But then, you know, if you look at some of the twats that have gone in from some of the American sports into the UFC and done not too shabbily. Mm. Yeah, I, I said that actually on our last podcast that there is some uh, narrative that because you can throw a ball around a pitch, you're automatically going to become a great combat athlete. And it's not the case. I kind of hope it works out for James Haskell. Um, I think he's good on camera. I think he ticks a lot of other boxes. It just remains to be seen whether or not his fighting ability will live up to the hype that's going to surround you know him. As a he's going to be very, very trainable. Unless yeah. it makes a big deal of difference. If you're coaching somebody... But he's also in his mid to late 30s. Yeah, it's and he's going to against him. 10 to 15 uh, years of professional rugby behind him. And professional rugby has been described before as being involved in a car crash at 40 miles an hour at least once a week. So the injuries and, and, and toll that takes on, the, on a human body is obviously going to play a, a factor into how much he can genuinely put into his training and how much more he can get out of that body. But as a heavyweight, he has the capacity to be fast-tracked. Okay, yeah. Especially, especially if, if Bellator are going to keep him as a, a UK card fighter, mm-hmm. a UK and Ireland card fighter, he, he could potentially be fighting fat middleweights yeah, and, and rack up a 6-0, 7-0 record and make decent money before, before he's done. I would like to see him jack swagger. That's it. First fight, or do you know, do you know, what, do you know what weight he's going to fight up? Mendigas would tear him to bits. Mendigas Gervais would rip him to shreds at this stage, I reckon. At this early stage of his career, most likely. But mm. I, I'm not 100% sure about that. I think that, um, I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I, I think it'd be a very, very interesting fight. The, the only thing I can't say about rugby players who have transitioned to MMA, they have a fantastic double leg. Their double leg is genuinely mm, fantastic yeah. because there's a fellow fights for Brave, Chad Hanicom, and his flair double is amazing and he only discovered MMA during the off-season when he was a pro rugby player. John Brian and I was another rugby player as well. Yeah, John Brian, again, Brian. fantastic wrestler. So, again, wrestling being perhaps, you know, the one of the most important elements of mixed martial arts, he has the capacity there to pick that up. Yeah. I've seen him hit pads. Mm. Have you? Yeah. yeah. And he looks I'm like... Sure, he looks sure he's like not a, a tiny dancer. He packs a punch because he's a heavyweight, but like technically, he, he does look. He looks stiffer than a sixteen-year-old first thing in the morning. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, like, okay, granted, this was a while ago, so he may have progressed a little bit. But he's they're they're, they're probably going to throw him a few gimmies to start with. I would, I would hope so. Like, listen, he is going to he he is a, a cash cow. A hundred percent, aye. He is a cash cow. I'm going on that whatever that was fucking Love Island or whatever that shape was or uh, the celebrity one yeah uh, the celebrity yeah yeah I don't want to watch that fucking thing I'd rather it's seriously like, like the fox I can see the record button on the sky right now which is just about in time for Love Island so it's not that's probably <coughs> that's probably um, say something about some murders <laughs> <laughs> Love Island yeah. so you obviously had a couple of fights I, I remember at least one of your fights in the Total Fight Forum in, in Milton Keynes and your first fight in Milton Keynes was against a guy called Alex Owen so do you remember your fight with Alex Owen because I remember it vividly I do I do and it was kind of it was actually my second fight Who was your fir- no it was your second fight you're right so that, that's the first the fight first I remember one. I can't remember the first one where, uh, where were you training at the time then for, the, for these did. essentially what were NHB fights we yeah, call them or? yeah um, part of a, a, a virtually traditional martial arts mm-hmm. gym upstairs above a chippy in Lisburn yeah pretty much yeah and this was still with Tom. Yeah, it was with Tom. Tom yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that was it. You know, and I I remember it's Alex Evans. Alex Evans, yes. Yeah, that's right. I got, actually got quite friendly. He was a really mm-hmm. good guy. Like um, we were told in the at the opening thing, um, 
if it's a clean headshot, we're going to call a fight here because we've got BBC TV and everything here. Mm. Yeah, it's a clean knockdown. The clean fight will be stopped. Over. Yeah. And in the opening seconds, I knocked him down. His eyes rolled back into his head, and I landed two or three shots in the ground. And the referee pulled me off. My thought had won. Do you remember who the referee was? Was that Alex Reed? It was Alex Reed. Alex Reed was the referee. Yeah. yeah. It just so happens he was one of his training partners at the same time as well. But that's how MMA was back then. It was a wild west, so it was reset. So you say you, you say you thought you'd won. I remember going away like that because mm. I was allowed to stand up again. Was no, like, I like stand like that like a stand eight count. No, not no, at no, all. No, no, just restarted. Just restarted. So he's we didn't have the wit at the time to complain about this. Yeah. So he was essentially out on his feet. He was out on the ground. He was on the back, heading to the end chest, and was hitting him. So, because <laughs> that's that's so fucking alien to anything you would consider today nowadays. Because again, I I'm with the greatest of respect, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm of a, a different generation, so my concept of rules and everything now is the unified rules as we understand them oh, yeah. today. Yeah. So to hear about something like that blows my fucking mind. Do you know what? I, I, I don't. But I remember actually talking to Alex Evans. It was actually at the night of the Tito incident, and he actually said to me, he "says I, I, that was the hardest punch I've ever been hit." And he had well, at the time was European. Uh, he was a kickboxer. And he, he was European he was kickboxing a, champion. He was and a he, kickboxer. Uh, uh, um, European jiu jitsu sport jiu jitsu mm. champion. So he was no gozer like. No, but um, that was a, I remember that vividly, and I remember the sequence of how it happened. But that was a kind of a, it was a bit of a rude awakening, and yeah. in, in essence, for for us coming from Northern Ireland, traveling to England, and seeing, because there was different rule sets, and there wasn't any the rules meeting as you just. Discussed it was how I remember it, um, and I remember the the discussion. Look, this is a clean knockdown. The likelihood is the fight's going to be stopped, but it wasn't. It was just reset. You were told to go back to your corner, and eventually Alex wore you down. Yeah. If I remember rightly, sort of, yeah. and and strangely he caught you with a straight right, and you went down, and the fight was immediately called off. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was a bit of a, not. I was going to say irony there, but it was a bit annoying. So yeah. from there, that was was that your last fight in the total fight four. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was you. That you, format, yeah, in that yeah, format, yeah. that was the last fight. Um, what do you remember? What the next fight was that you had? Yeah, Brazil. Yeah, it was in Brazil. <laughs> Brazil. Um, so going from going from a leisure center in Mountain Kings, yeah. going from a leisure center in Mountain Kings to Recife in Brazil to WVC with uh, Frederico Lapenda, Baz Rutten was knocking about. Now there's uh, still like it's still like VHS tapes of. Oh yeah, I still have some yeah. somewhere. You have to excuse me, Macias Burnham. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, for anybody who's listening to this, this is the least manly thing anybody's ever said, is that my cache is burning as he records Love Island. Um, but I remember that um, trip. I actually do remember the trip to Brazil as well. Um, well there's a few more minutes left in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, back to the fighting, boys. Is Keisha's fine? Back to the fighting. Cherry brandy and a cache now for the most manly guy in MMA. So, yes, yeah, so the, the next fight then for you was the WVC. And I believe it to be, there was two... Um, shows recorded on the same night. It was yeah. WVC 12 and WVC 13, mm-hmm. and they were split up into two different tournament brackets. Did Hensel fight on one of those? Uh, no, Hensel fought on something else. Um, the, the Hensel was he Royal Valley Tudor, maybe? Or something yeah, like that? the thing being was that Hensel didn't like the fight outside. Hensel didn't like the fight outside of Rio. Oh, okay. La Penda couldn't go to Rio. Do you remember? I think there was, yeah, he explained there was some sort of unpleasantness that I don't think he was, he could have went back to Rio without there being... Well, that was still, death. That was still yeah. during the time of, like, the, the huge rivalry between Gracie Baja and Luta Livre. Oh, yeah. So there was still, like, a huge, yeah. like, almost like a turf war there. There was a Hensel fight against uh, Eugene Taddeo. 
Mm. Oh yes, Eugenio Tario. Tario, yeah. That, that, got that was, that was, MMA banned. That, that got an MMA banned in Brazil. That was a a BJJ versus Luna Livre card because I yeah. remember Walla Ishmael. I think fought right. on that show as well. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. But Walla, Walla was a very very good. I'm actually met Walla one time. He's a very nice guy and very very good and underrated fighter. Well, mad eyes. Yeah, he, he always had a reputation as being big. Crazy. Yeah. When I met him, he most definitely wasn't. He was just a very nice bloke, you mm-hmm. know. Here. But yeah, that's what it is. So we were we were lucky enough, obviously, then to travel to Brazil, Recife in Brazil. Um, and when we were there, do you what do you recall about that total experience of, of being away there? I, there's many things that I remember, and about the the actual event itself. So think about what do you think about that event? Do you remember? I remember walking out to the cage and having bottles of piss thrown at us. Yeah, soaked in piss is what I remember. <laughs> was that your first time fighting in a cage? Uh, yeah, yes, it, yeah was. it was, yeah. Um, um, Do you remember the rules meeting? There wasn't any. There was, if you remember. There was one where he says, we don't want you to particularly do soccer kicks. Yes, no, no, well, they said you can kick in the balls and you're allowed to kick in the head on the ground, but if you kick in the balls, well, I think you're right. Um, yeah, that's you out. But we were getting it translated, and do you remember who translated for us? Was it? No, I don't actually. Francisco Bueno. Bueno was Chico, yeah, Francisco yeah. Bueno was sitting in front of us, and he realised that we had no idea what was going on. So he turned around and translated to us. Language. So that's how we ended up meeting um, Francisco Bueno. But he translated to us and explained the punching and kicking in the deck, and also the soccer kicks. But soccer kicks seemed to be we. There was two or three finishes on the night with soccer kicks. But do you remember the guy who you fought? Yeah, Macau Baca. Yep. So it was, uh, it was Baca means mouth, um, and it was simply because he had a big mouth. He was actually quite a nice dude. He was a very nice dude, and went on to win hook and shoot. Uh, but he went on to win that tournament on that night. He yeah. won the tournament on the night. Um, do you remember how, how do you do you remember that fight going? Um, I remember as he came out, I hit him and I hit him hard, and he just fucking looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I threw I tried to throw sort of like a, st- uh, a side kick or stomp kick to his knee and it it missed and he took me down and um, threw you much of a concept of the ground game at not that really. no no not really uh-huh. um, and obviously a guy being Brazilian he's bound to be oh he's a black he was, he was a black belt he had um, in his corner Paulo Filho and Nogueira Big oh, Nog, yeah. So in his corner, they so did his corner. W, WC, w, a future WC champion and a future UFC and Pride champion. Yeah, in his corner. Yeah, um, I'm sort of going. I know those guys. Yeah, I've seen before. Yeah. But back then, those guys really weren't. You know, they, they weren't as famous as he. Like obviously, clearly were now. That was two thousand, I think. Maybe. So it was a very long. It was a very long time ago, and I remember. Yeah, but you know what? It was even made his debut in Pride then. No. No, no, no. no we're still fighting in Brazil. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, do you know what? It was a good experience. Um, it would have been nicer if I had him. Maybe, for instance, there was a guy, very, very good guy, who we actually trained with, called Jean Silva. Mm-hmm. We went on to fight um, in quite a few shows in the UK. He fought under a different name in that show. Um, he actually fought Baca as well in the final. That's and right. in the final. I remember. John got in the final. He had, he had a, he had a, a really quite an easy. Um, first round and he was about the same weight as me at the time but Baca was well bigger Macau was well bigger and I, I, I don't know I, I, it's, it's one of those things it was fun it was good fun it was, good. It was interesting um, it was a hell of an experience do you remember going in, into the arena and it being it was just empty the whole thing was just empty and we were like why is this empty and uh, somebody explained then um, it's early and we were like no we're we were like half an hour late and he was like oh no Brazil, Brazil time, time. Brazil time. Well, you, you know there was a rodeo here last night 
So it's not going to start for like another hour and a half. And then literally like an hour and a half later, there was people filtering in. And it, was, it didn't start for like another hour after that. So what time we were told to be there, we thought we were being fashionably late. Turned out to be incredibly early. And what was the attitude to <coughs> a spectacle like that in Brazil at the time? Was it the acceptance that, you know, that we now have culturally of it or was it still a little bit of spectacle a little bit of freak show I would say freak show a wee bit um, look the WVC uh, Frederico Le Pen ran at the time was very very interesting because the UFC was run at the same time and there were shows in Holland at the same time and there were shows and there was a guy called Baz Boone Dutch guy yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who who ran the shows with Le Pen and they were all involved there were shows in Israel and there were shows in Russia and there were shows in a lot of you know, a lot of places and they were all under different names but they were all sort of through this um, uh, production company that Baz Boone and Lapenda owned I think um, so they all had to see a similar type of feel to it and it was a bit more gritty than the UFC mm-hmm. um, the UFC I think at this time had just begun to sort of have uh, gloves yeah I think mm. two, two, oh, yeah. 2000, 2001 they unified yeah, you know, regulatory um, they, they uh, wanted to have gloves and they wanted to have time limits and they had rounds and weight divisions weight divisions and yeah. these guys didn't they, they really didn't they had, was know, that by design yeah absolutely because they, they wanted to yeah. have uh, the spectacle of the, 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 the heavyweight middleweight and lightweight yeah I was going to say there was three weight light, lightweight was whatever middleweight was a wee bit in the middle and heavyweight was anybody who was bigger than the door Anything, anything under about maybe 180 would have been lightweight then yeah yeah, so, yeah most like, uh, probably more are you talking kilos or <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah but that's that's the way it was and it was look, it was interesting enough it was good it was I'd like to go back and be a, th- um, a fly on the wall and look at it again and be a tourist and be a actually, tourist at it you know um, I would love to go back to Brazil again but you know so I was the part of the reason I did this and went in this is because you know how else are you going to get to travel the world and see yeah. things and meet people and do stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's been the best, th- one of the best things about this, this journey for me, like, because it's been, I've got to make a lot of good friends, I've got to see places that I wouldn't necessarily have seen, and, you know, I'm still in a very, very, very small way still involved, but, so it's been interesting, that, like that. So, you, could you call a guy who tried to swap watches with you in Brazil, a black guy, famous Oh, tried to swap watches. Yes, no, he's a wrestler. He won it. No, no, it wasn't not the American guy, the Brazilian. You're thinking of Daryl. Wasn't Daryl? Yeah, it was the a Brazilian dude, black guy, wore glasses. Um, Johnny had just got, you had got a a, a G-Shock, Casio yeah. G-Shock watch, and he was trying to trade you his G-Shock watch. He had about ten of them, by the way, on at the same time. What did you call that guy? There was a guy that fought in the final, similar Rodriguez. He was a really, really good fighter. He, he, he did well in jiu-jitsu tournaments as well, but I can't remember that game. I can't remember who that is. I can still see his we'll face, face now, but I can't. But the, yeah, the winner of, of the tournament above yours yeah. in that day was Daryl Golar, who absolutely he was just superb the whole time, and a very interesting guy. But again, we met you met Remco over there. Yeah, um, still, I still keep in contact with Remco Pardol. He is uh, one of the European legends of MMA and um, a genuinely good guy. Um, obviously, Daryl. Um, then. There was other guys like Mark Smith and stuff on that, known as the Bear. Um, yeah. Sean Colley, do you remember Sean as Sean, well? Justin Colley. Justin. Um, so we, there was a lot of people that have now become MMA luminaries, really, mm. that, that we were sort of, well, that you, you were really sort of in, in the same place with at that time. There was a guy called, he, he fought in one UFC event, it was actually a brawl in the hall, and a guy called Jim Miller. And Jim Miller retired undefeated. 
He was not the Jim Miller that we know from the mm. UFC now. Mm. Jim Miller retired undefeated. He fought James Zickic in the brawl in the hall. And Jim Miller basically laid down the American style of MMA before anybody else. Before Sean Shirk had it with the wrestler takedown, there was Jim Miller. So if you don't know this guy, go on to Sherdog, check out Jim Miller and see if you can find him. I think he's now a cop in Arizona. He retired after because he wasn't basically getting paid. But this guy mm. pretty much wrote the blueprint in my book about how to fight MMA if you're a wrestler. You know, it was a takedown, control, pass the side, pound it out. Yeah. Go back to maybe half guard, pound it out. And he he was a very, very interesting guy. Very, very interesting guy. Also, we can't, remit, uh, can't uh, forget one of the funniest creatures that we met when we were away and is still one of the world's funniest creatures, Seth Petroselli. Seth, Seth Petroselli, another really good guy. The man um, who single-handedly, quite literally, single-handedly with one hand brought down an entire organisation. Yes. And yeah. then told them about it. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was told to keep on standing. Yeah. Um, that was Brazil... <coughs> Brazil was it? Uh, was it? So what age would Pedro Zelli have been then? Twenty. Would have been a couple. Yeah. He'd been nineteen, and he 19? fought Mario Sucata. Yeah, his corner for Mario Sucata. And Mario Sucata, um, who by the way was a, a great guy, but Seth was beating him, and the, the fight went to thirty minutes, and they Seth's corner thought this is thirty minutes. I got to throw the horn. Uh, no, I was in Seth's corner at the time, and they just kept going. Kept going. Kept going. Kept going. And it, 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 we actually discussed this. I'm not talking out of school here, but we discussed this at the time um, that if he gets mount and he's really dominant, just to put the tile in because of we, we, where we were, medical care and attention and stuff like that. I remember mm. literally Mario climbing into the mount, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I'm gonna throw the tile in here." Um, and our guy just put my hand and says, "Don't, he won't forgive you for this. I promise you, he won't forgive you. Just let it go out." I think he eventually tapped Seth, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but thankfully, Seth had from exhausted. Yeah, and but he was absolutely fantastic, and it just showed you how much of a really good guy Seth was, and, 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 and what he went on to be. Became well. a, a truly legendary fighter as mm-hmm. well. All right, you know he's famous for the, the what you call it, the, the finishing Kimbo and destroying Kimbo the Yeah, yeah, but other than that, he's created good fighters. He's got a very good business in Florida, mm-hmm. and he's doing very well for himself. Um, also. I can't go without saying, do you remember when he came over and stayed with you? Yeah, it was funny. It was fucking hilarious. Yeah. He brought with him a bag that looked like, realistically, it was about the size of a Cessna aeroplane. And he started to pull like a blender out of it. A, like like some other kitchen utensil, like a fucking juicer or something. <laughs> and I remember we were standing in your, your old kitchen, it was me and you, Lorraine and Seth, and we're like, what is all this? And he goes, I didn't, I didn't think you had this over here. And you're like, what electricity? What the fuck? So he had all these like utensils set that he brought. Up. Seth was a cool guy. He was a cool guy. And uh, I'd like a point. I would just like to point out: Americans can't have electric kettles. Why is that? I don't know. They put a fucking kettle on a hob. Yeah. Oh. Well, why, what the fuck's that about? <laughs> Old school. But uh, yeah, do you remember his? Uh, I, do you remember flying to Cage Wars then? Yeah. In Portsmouth? Yeah. Um, I don't know, I was sitting beside Seth on the plane and he had a camcorder. Do you remember the camcorder? Yes. And he was showing like videos of what would be American spring break. Okay. So he basically just got their tits out, right? <laughs> and there was a guy beside us who must have been like 70. And he was... I mean, he was all in. Lesson. Initially he was tutting until mm-hmm. Seth went, here, get a load of this. <laughs> and that was it. The guy was like, oh, they're brilliant, but... It was just again. He was doing it, wasn't he? He was sort of planning to set up some website. Yeah, <laughs> he was brilliant. So, from Brazil, your next escapade or our next, well, yours mainly. Um, yeah, you come back home from Brazil. Did you, 
there was the, <coughs> what were your thoughts and feelings then? So you've gone and you've seen what it's like in somewhere like Brazil. You come home, was there a need to source out more specific style of training? Or? Do you know what? There really was. It wasn't. We were starting to do a bit of wrestling and stuff like that. And we used we coaching basically each other. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, basically learning as we were going. Yeah, um, videos as videos well. Videos and, and stuff. And, um, and uh, we had, um, what do you call him? Uh, the, what do you call him? Wrestling coach. Dave, the Dave legend Finley. that is Dave, 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 Dave Finley. Finley. Um, he he was there. And he was good. He helped with a lot of stuff. Our wrestling got up to for a UK standard, pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's just. I think we were limited. Very very limited. What what we should have done? There was Brazilian Jiu Jitsu had pretty much just come into. Um, the UK, North then and, and the UK Ireland, in yeah, general. North. Uh, I think Gracie Barrow Belfast was the, the second Gracie Barrow club um, in the UK. So it was, it was very sort of slipshod. We should have maybe done that. We should have maybe gone down things, but it, it's all hindsight because you always believe that you're doing the right thing at the time. Yeah. Or else you wouldn't do it. Would you say hindsight is the ability to look at your arse? It's fucking useless. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, there's other, there's other things as well. Like you look back on it, like you know. <laughs> we're crippled <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there's a strong possibility that we maybe should have um, looked at a more structured training but, regime but we, did, we didn't really understand but we didn't know it then if you remember right when we came back from Brazil we had made um, friends with Francisco Chico Bueno yeah. and Chico had travelled then to train yeah. and uh, we did a seminar but it was it's kind of weird because it, it, he, he was one of the nicest people but he, he travelled over and then he I don't know, you might, you might remember the conversation we had with him. This will actually go to a listener question later on, but do you remember anything that he told us at the time? Not really, no, to be honest with you, but I have taken an awful lot of punches to the head. Yeah, um, he, he kind of told a couple of people in the gym, you and I were two of those people, and there was a couple of people excluded, I think, um, that he would be of the opinion that if we put a gi on, our game would improve. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things that I took from what he, he taught um, says that get a gear on and it will change your game. But you followed Chico then to America. Yeah, I went to America. I trained with him for a wee while. It was good. It was good fun. Um, uh, yeah, America was okay. You know, I got very homesick in America. To be honest with you. How long were you away for? Just two weeks. But it was it was crap. I was living in a room by myself. Mm. Um, like a dorm type thing. It wasn't or? even. It was a fellow's house. It was very. It was actually one of a friend of ours, Bobby Razak's mates. You and he says, look, I'm I'm staying with my girlfriend. You can have this here. Um, and it was in a place called Northridge which was miles away from anywhere and so it was really like I'm sort of I train with Chico for two hours drive back and then sit in the house for eight hours by myself until you go to bed until I went to bed and I didn't even have a TV so that sucked and I really didn't want to be there at that time you know I'd rather have structured it better but it, it is what it is again you know it's another part of your, your sort of learning experience but that was you were the first United King, person from the United Kingdom to fight Excuse me, on King of the Cage. Then yeah, that was the first person. Gladiator the Challenge. Gladiator Challenge. That's what it was. Gladiator Challenge, which is still going to this day. Mm-hmm. You were the first person to travel to fight on that from the United Kingdom. Mm. How did that go? Not well. Terrible. <laughs> Worst fight ever. <laughs> Worst fight ever. Worst fight ever. Why so? Why so? I just I wasn't wasn't interested in. It. Okay. Absolutely wasn't interested. Didn't want to be there. Didn't want to do it. Um, there was no weight class. There was no weight weigh-ins. There was no nothing. Um, just didn't want to be there. Um, my head wasn't in it at all I shouldn't have done it I should have pulled it out but I felt I felt pressured by everybody around me at the time that I had to do this mm. um, but uh, do you know what it is what it is again but again you met good people when you're out met you good met people Nigel Hudson yeah who, who, uh, 
is an absolute fucking legend. Yeah. Um, Jackass guy. Um, yeah. Nigel was very, very good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, it was quite badly injured. His car crashed something. No, a drunk driver crossed the thing and put him into a wall. Oh, Jesus. Right. Um, Nigel was quite simply one of the, could potentially have been one of the greatest coaches of MMA in the world. He would have been up there with. He was originally from England. He's a boxer. Yeah, he's a boxer. England, you know, the, the, <coughs> uh, pick a MMA coach, uh, and Nigel could have been easily as good as him. Famous for knocking out. Who was it in Jackass? And he chinned somebody in Jackass, and he also uh, it was one of the ones where they went to his gym and they went to have a gym fight, but he took it seriously. That's right, I. Um, and he punched <laughs> the guy to the ground. He was going to kick him, and then they like kind of dived in to stop him. But he also famously uh, kidnapped Johnny Knoxville at a bus stop. Yeah. From Jackass. I don't know how he's doing now, but mm. the guy was an absolute fucking legend. An absolute legend. A great guy. Keish check. Again, off the <laughs> check for his manly Keish White Love Island records. Do you reckon this is maybe the first time in podcast history that somebody has had twice to stop what they're doing and go check on their Keish? Yes, I would imagine so. Maybe some, like, I don't know, maybe if there's like some sort of. Like, 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 like a good housekeeping yeah, podcast or something? Good, like Mary Berry. Is out checking her cage at the same time. Oh, he's ever so proud of himself. Look at him. I know. Him. All well cooked. Perfect. This will be entertaining as he shovels quiche into him now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sit for a while. Oh, right. Obviously, you have to let a quiche breathe like a good wine, I imagine. He's sitting on the windowsill like a pie or something. <laughs> Fuck, not here. <laughs> Some fucks will be away with it. <clears throat> so, obviously, um, the fight didn't go your way in Gladiator Challenge. Um, and you came back but you came back with a lot more of experience in what combat sports was because you kind of the door was open there yeah um, we had done uh, we had done rites of passage in with Bobby Razak as well at that time and you your next fight do you remember what your next Finland yes it was it was Fin Fight 5 yeah was it Fin Fight 5 yeah um, so Fin Fight 5 was the only um, European fully no holds barred tournament yeah that's right at the time um, they allowed Everything apart from eye gouging and fish hooking. Yeah, and but they did make a one slight, um, what would you say, concession. They had to wear gloves. Yeah, they had to wear gloves. Oh, uh, that's good of them. Uh, yeah. Um, fin fight here. Do you know what? Fin fight was great fun. Marco uh, Lynchstein at Rand. Fin fight was great. Fin fight was my best experience. I really, really loved it. Did you remember the the rules meeting? No, Marco actually, was don't. speaking in like five different languages. That's true. Five yeah. Different people. Yeah. At, one of the craziest things I've ever seen and eventually some dude from Norway just put up his helmet English please <laughs> because he couldn't, he just, that, he couldn't that dude from Norway was John on our final yeah no I remember John the, the, was that John yeah it was John the ADCC champion the UFC fighter too yeah I don't know if he fought in the UFC he did he definitely fought in the UFC he fought in Pride fought heavyweight division fought Hodger in the UFC did he not no he fought Hodger in the ADCC ADCC um Cornerman of Joachim Hansen. That's right, Hellboy. Yeah, who still one of the most day. underrated fighters in the history of the sport. Um, He's amazing. Truly, my up my top three fighters uh, in in the thing, and has a win over Tiger Henry Gomi, I think. His win over Tiger, he was a shield champion. Um, he um, he was pride champion. Um, as well. Mm. Uh, what do you call it? The the pride subdivision pride. Bushido, Bushido, Pride yeah. Bushido champion. Um, had a, maybe at the time probably the best MMA fight with 
the Courier Man was Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. That was in Dream. I think that was. That was. Uh, was it Dream or Pride? I'm not sure. It was Dream. Yeah, because Dream. Uh, yeah, Eddie wasn't kicking um, out of Pride at the stage. Um, also had the best live fight I have ever seen. Raffles the Rose. Raffles the Rose. Holy fuck! I've talked about this before. Yeah. When I, I did an interview, lucky to do an interview with uh, Amy Kelly from AK Media, um, and we discussed that as a cage wars, Hell's Kitchen, in Galway. Mm-hmm. and it was like three fights after my fight and I thought I've had a really good fight fuck people are going to think that's great and then I sat down and watched this and just went what on earth it was insane absolutely insane yeah. but so Finn Fight 5 yep. do you remember your first fight in Finn Fight 5 I do and won the fight with knees <coughs> to the head and the ground split the guy open it wasn't just a knee to the head do you remember the first in the, your initial interaction in that fight because this is a I bit left of him up and dumped him yeah, I, um, it was, it's actually probably the best takedown I've seen in MMA, and this isn't me being biased. If you can't find it, go and look for it. Um, I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's a fantastic duck under of a right hand. You pick him up standing and smash him straight into the mat. That guy, well, he'd reached the final the year before. Yeah, but do you remember? I can't remember his name, but no, I can no, still I can see him. Yeah, big was tall it guy. Sammy? No, you're talking about uh, Sammy. Yeah, he was the guy who fought in the, the semis. No, this guy who fought in the semis. Sammy, Sammy... No, no, this guy was called Sammy Hippie. Uh, the guy was yeah, called Sammy, Sammy Hippie, that's right, yeah. Because the, the guy you fought next was Harry Neva. Harry Neva. Uh, Harry Neva. Harry Neva's a good guy. He, he, mm-hmm. he was, I think he's a prison officer in Finland now. Right. Yeah, Harry's a good guy. Like I really liked him. Like he, I spent some time with him in London. Harry was good crack. Yeah. We'll get to the London one because that's one of the things that sticks in my mind about Harry. Um, so Finn Fight 5, you, you literally carried the guy, but you carried him to his own corner, what I remember, <laughs> and slammed him the furthest way, furthest portion of the of a gigantic ring, it was a 20 foot boxing ring, away from away from me, um, and I was trying, I remember shouting to you about control, and you tried, you actually stood up and tried to kick him, Yeah, but it was and terrible. you missed, it was the most and pathetic you kick missed, him. it was like, do you remember those wee things you used to get as a football, as toy footballers where you pressed the head and the foot came out? Aye. It was kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> and you missed, but from there, he was trying to get up and you literally like knee dropped him three times. And there was one of the, I don't know if it was the first or the last knee drop, but it made this thud and the people in the arena just all at one time went, <gasps> this sharp inhalation and you knew it was over and that was it. <laughs> but he was a nice dude actually he was, remember, nice, he was yeah. a very nice guy but he had a, his face was absolutely destroyed after that mm. so semi-finals Harry yeah, Neva what yeah. do you remember about that long fight long ass fight um, the two of us landed very very um, crisply opening I think I rocked him but he just reacted slightly quicker than me took me down and he just stayed in my guard for basically the entire fight yeah and it's like 10 seconds before the end you tapped to a headbutt if I remember rightly it was something like that it was, it was exhaustion something, something, more than headbutt yeah. to me because he had, I remember him sitting up a wee bit and it didn't look from where I was guaranteed I wasn't getting headbutt in the face but he landed a headbutt and he, I could see like done and it was more like 30 minutes of being in his you know he's been in my guard just for 30 minutes absolutely exhausted absolutely you know those this is the thing I, I don't it's not like I'm sure now with all the science that's involved in it um, guys who are fighting today probably could do this probably could go that long a lot better than what I could but it is it, it has to be seen to be believed or felt to be believed just how tiring it is to yeah. be, have somebody carrying somebody's weight and he had no intention of trying to pass my guard he didn't even I, try. I, I actually didn't tried try. a couple of um, reverses eagles from him and he was just breaking obviously he gets sweaty and stuff like I said and it was hard that was really really hard do you remember that he had a big giant light 
that was suspended over the room it was like a giant friggin oh, like weird. chandelier thing so it was a person like being in a sunbed for yeah. for 30 minutes fighting in a sunbed and you didn't have a big break either between fights no 10, 10 15 minutes yeah so it wasn't like you were going in and there was three other fights um, no because after the Harry Neva fight you and I came out and watched uh, Joachim Hansen do you remember yeah. destroy the guy with the flat knee yeah he, that's actually that's a that fight was actually really good, um, Joachim Hansel. He fought a Swedish guy whose name escapes me. Mm. Um, and there's a bit, it's it's brutal, like, where Joachim's actually has a guy on the ground and he's basically stomping him in the head yeah. and using the two ropes, ropes to steady himself. <laughs> himself as he dropped a uh, thing. Again, you know, this was... This was MMA then, you know. It's it's not. It's what it's not the sport that we have now. No, I, but that was very enjoyable. There was a, there was a slight. There's something I do want to mention at this stage. There was no bullshit about that. Mm. There wasn't the 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 crap talking, the the the, the slabbering, the stuff that has to make fights. The people well, believe have no, to make fights. It was an era. It was an era before social media. Well, well, yes and no, not really. Well, I think um, Bebo probably existed. Bebo would exist in high, yeah. Facebook was 2004, yeah. I think. So it was so definitely before but the people, but, but everybody, you know, after the, after those fights, we all went out. You mm. know, I've kept and been able to keep in touch with some of these people from that, that time. You know, when I had a bit of tragedy in my life and they were right on top of me, you know, how are you doing? Are you okay? You know, and it does make a difference. You know, those... Um, what are, the, what are the elements of the sport for you that have changed for the better? And what are the elements of the sport for you that have changed not so much for the well, better? for not so much for the better, I'm, I'm old-fashioned. I don't particularly like this slabbering about things and calling people out. You know? I fucking hate it. It, 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 does, it just boils my piss. Um, I, I don't like it. Um, you know, you're there. Especially at the amateur level. Yeah, at the amateur level. You know, you're there, you should consider... If you're fighting, you could, should consider it like your job. Right? Um... And you wouldn't go into your place of work and get on like a dick. Well, maybe you would, but you shouldn't go into your place of work and get on like a no. dick. Um, so don't act like this. Be professional. Do you think? Make make sure you make weight. Make sure you know you do, you you you're respectful to the opposite corner and things like this. Here, mm. do your do your job. Get your job done. Then move on. Yeah, that that's what it should be. You said something there that's very similar to what Mike Bisping says. You've got two jobs as a fighter: turn up on weight and then shape. Everything yeah. else, nobody tells you have to win. Nobody tells you have to lose. Yeah. Turn up on weight and then shit. That's the only thing you have to do, and that's basically what you're saying. They're cut the bullshit. Yeah, it just and just <laughs> basically be a, be a fighter. Do you your know, job cor- correctly rather than talking. We see, shit. you know, um, I do as Ali does um, and Phil. We all do corners now and then. We all do corners and maybe in Clan Wars, which is a the local show. Um, yeah, this bullshit coming up the fights that you see so-and-so calling people out and things like I say, and then people get really involved in it, and then they get their back wound up yeah. about it. And like, also people that should know better, people who are of maybe that first wave of first-generation coaches and everything, they're, they're encouraging it, yeah. adding fuel to the fire. You I think know, that's fucking pathetic. Grow the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, just grow the fuck up. You know, you're not... No, no, it's not Conor McGregor, and this isn't the UFC, and you're not fighting for any million dollars you, you know, know you're, you're fighting for maybe a ticket deal yeah and you what you should be doing is you should be trying to concentrate and the time spent fucking slabbering should be sp- con- spent 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 in the gym or working out a game plan or working out how you want to impose because mma at, the, at that level is really fucking simple 
It is. It should be really simple. The goal should be to, as a coach or whatever, is to make it as simple that you can't get it wrong. Yeah, but <laughs> that it should be your goal. So you can't do this fucking wrong. But I, what you said there, that covers quite a great deal. You said like you know you should make MMA so simple that you can't get it wrong. That's the fucking hard bit though. That's the really whose responsi- whose responsibility is that? Then is that the coaches or is it? The, Combination of both, but definitely the coach is something to do. For me, MMA is very, very simple. It's all about the clinch, mm. right? If you want to be a striker, then you want to avoid the clinch or use a or, or use a clinch to move the person. If you're a grappler, you want to get the clinch. Now, basically, if you watch the UFC now, it's kickboxing with a wee bit of grappling, right? Yeah, pretty it's much. It's kickboxing with a wee bit of grappling. So ninety percent of these people are using it to avoid the clinch. There's very little clinch in it. Even the days of Anderson Silver with tie clinches and stuff like that mm-hmm. seems to have drifted away. You know, the John Jones Reyes fight during the week there, there wasn't a great deal of clinching. And what it was, you know, people were trying to break away from yeah, it. Was it was Alir Latifi and Derek. Uh, I didn't see that fight actually. Derek Lewis was different. There was a lot of clinch work and a lot. But they're heavyweights and they're big guys yeah. and they lean on each other mm-hmm. and they try. You know, Derek Lewis is a huge man and he's. I, I guess I didn't see the fight, but I can guess he wanted to lean on Latifi. No, no, Latifi was the exact opposite. Latifi was uh, establishing using strikes to close the distance, double underhooks, and get trips and body yeah. locks. Latifi's a, a horrible fight for anybody at any weight. Yeah, at any weight, but I mean, he's a mini fridge of a man, isn't he? He really is. I, he, although I, th- I did say he looks fleshy, and he did compared to what he looked like yeah. a light heavyweight, yeah. and I think he's probably better off a light heavyweight. So, fin, fin fight tournament finish. You fought again in the fin fight tournament as yeah. well, um, and then from there, what happened was cage wars yeah cage wars happened um what um the first set of a cage wars was portsmouth um, that was in gunworth keys in portsmouth um <clears throat> what do you remember about the whole cage wars event um well that the first that was the first uk show to use a cage um despite what anybody else says it was the first it was a, I, I can confirm that 100 percent fact it was the it first was ever first UK show to use, use a cage. cage um we were Concerned at the time, I was brought in to help with it. Um, we were concerned. And what kind of capacity were you brought in? Pretty advice? much do like, everything. Like, <laughs> I was everything. going to say like an advisory capacity. No, or pretty much do everything. Did some title or no? Not really, because that's just the way it was. It was three guys that did sort of put their heads together and did this, um, and with help from people who were based in Portsmouth. Yeah, well, uh, I suppose the, the the main driving force behind that as well was Paddy Mooney. Yeah, absolutely. Paddy Mooney can't. You know, you can't talk about UK MMA and not mention Paddy Minnick. Good solid Lord, man. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know what? It's, it's, you know, I know he's, he keeps himself to himself and doesn't, you know, do a lot of stuff, but his, he... His input can't his be, input un- can't be, can't be You know, there's... It's a little-known fact that the UFC probably came to Belfast first after the brawl in the hall, almost purely because of Paddy Minnick. Yeah, pretty much, um, yeah. He cornered Dana White at a... An event, uh, a UFC meet and greet in New York, and gave him the third degree, and within six months the UFC was in Belfast. Yeah. So, um, what, do you remember the, how that went? I remember vividly because I got my absolute bollocks kicking in. So we we competing, Johnny. Or was this no, your first experience of the the, outside, the transition into the, the the promotional side of yeah, things? That was. You yeah. were like matchmaking more than anything. Didn't, did a lot of matchmaking. Did a lot of sort of bits and pieces. Did sort of uh, you know general dogs body at that stage as well because nobody actually knew what the hell they were doing. No. Again, this seems to be like a pattern in my life. Um, just winging it. Um, it's worked out alright to be fair it's worked out okay it has its, has its ups and downs but you know it's worked out okay but you know um, uh, we, we didn't actually know how it was going to go you know we, we were quite concerned at the time and I remember I remember think, uh, you know discussing this about you know age range for allowing people at it and we initially pitched it as 
get tens and overs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Portsmouth Council went, no, no, this is okay, bring six tens in. Yeah, because they, they sort of viewed it like professional wrestling, yeah, which is um, fine to me. Then, you know, it, it was it was good. You know, that was it was good. It was John Kavanagh fought in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dave Jones, John Kavanagh, I fought on the show. Um, you had um, Chris Cummings, you had Renko Pardew. Yeah, trying to think who else. Sammy Shivo fought on the show. Sammy. Yeah, he did, yeah, yeah that's right. So. Um, uh, oh, what do you call the other guy? Um, Cyril Diabata. Cyril, no, it did not Cyril didn't fight the first one. He no, did he fight, fight Josh Dempsey. Josh Dempsey. Cyril Diabata, who, did, who unfortunately... Fantastic he, he, kickboxer. A, a, mm-hmm. a, great, a great striker and a really, really good guy. Co- just, what was it, like the Cobra the Snake or something? Snake, Cyril the Snake the Snake, Diabata. yes. Um, didn't, didn't get off... Didn't, you know, didn't get... Wasn't able to get off against Josh Dempsey. But here... You know, he went on to big things. Well, the UFC, yeah. Went on the yeah. UFC. Uh, still, I th- uh, has a snake team in France. Mm-hmm. It is a very, very good team. Um, you know, I he remember was, watching this. I remember watching Cyril's tape that he sent over. Do you remember? Oh, Jesus. Well, like an audition tape? Like well, an audition tape. That's how people That's how apply. people got it. You got, it. you got an audition tape. And Cyril's <clears> audition tape, there was bits in there going like, fuck. Jesus Christ, this guy's a fucking murderer. <laughs> and there's some scary stuff and there's some yeah. good grappling stuff on it too, but he's very, very good. So that was how that went. Um, but it all passed off. Do you remember Johnny Vaughan on The Big Breakfast or whatever it was described it as human cockfighting? Yeah, yeah, Cock he would knows. know. Um, <laughs> but that was the big thing. That was it was, in the, it was in a lot of national newspapers at the time. Mm-hmm. It was in the Sky Sports turned up and remember we all had to come back. We would all gone to see Ali and well, I had to come back because Sky didn't know who they were going to interview and then just interviewed um, Josh and Cyril and told everybody else to clear off yeah. um, but that's that, was, that turned out it turned out to be a very good event do you know what the thing being was that that, that that opened up doors for a lot of things Millennium Brawl happened with Andy Jardine and things mm-hmm. like that although Andy had been running MMA shows from, from before us but he'd been using a ring um, he then sort of uh, he did it that launched the career of Ian Freeman mm-hmm. um, uh, and people like that um, who went on and it, it opened up the doors for a lot of people and people went here do you know what we can do this um, yeah and there wasn't like a like a, a purple patch for UK MMA where there was loads of shows there was lots and lots, lots of shows of but they were springing up and closing down so quickly the, um, the next cage wars do you remember what that was London Elephant and Castle this yeah. was my idea yeah. Seth Pitt, uh, no, uh, Chico Bueno fought in this one against the guy Talafir. But do you also do you remember the Matt Trini fought against um, Cyril Diabate and yeah. Harry Neva fought and you refereed the fight? No, I, yeah, against Lee McGuinness. Yes, and this is the fight that I, I said, we'll go, if you go back to um, the bit we talked about Harry Neva, John Kavanagh, me, and I think it was Lee Remedius were sitting at ringside watching the fights. And Harry Neva cracked Lee McGuinness and it was like this shot from hell and you looked at it as if you were admiring his work. <laughs> and like literally in unison you were like, stop the fight! There and was another one. There was night. so fast that by the time you'd got close to him, you cracked him twice more. And we were there, like, was a, there was another one. I think you're actually thinking <clears> about a different fight. The one uh, was um, Marco De Silva fought Jez Loudon. And Je- Marco... Jess uh, Leo Doll. Yeah, okay, I, mean, I stand corrected. <laughs> um, he... Um, Marco didn't want anything to do with Stan with Jess and took him down. Mm. And I actually remember Stan... And this is why I stopped refereeing. Because he stood over him and he could see... And I remember watching very closely and Jess was working really hard trying to get mm. an arm bar, trying to throw legs over a triangle. And Marco looked about as though... Oh, should I have that bun or that bun? And then hit him with the hardest shot I've ever seen a single person ever take. 
boom. And I remember clicking for a fraction of a second. And this happened within a, a tenth of a second. That's a cracker punch. <laughs> <laughs> and then he hit him again. Oh, stop. And, you know, and I actually apologised to Jez afterward. Uh, years later, I went, mate, you took an extra shot. Mm-hmm. And that's why I stopped refereeing because I realised then, this is not for me. I'm not good enough. But it's not the, I think, but again, there that the referees at the time were really ex fighters. It was at that point, then it wasn't actually at that point, but you had we had you, Cage Wars in general had used Fred Rado, do you remember? Yeah, very, very good guy. Um, and then Fred took on the job of, of refereeing in Cage Wars and kind of made it a specialist post. Um, so that was Fred's a very underrated guy, he goes under the radar for a lot of things in Europe. A lot of people don't know who he is, but he's one of the, the maybe the. Genuinely one of the nicest people I have ever met in MMA. Um, very dangerous dude. Very dangerous guy. Very very understated, very quiet, very calm. Kickboxer. Savat. Uh, Savat. And, uh, kickboxer. Pancras. Pancras fighter. Trained with Baz Rutten. Um, seriously, seriously dangerous guy. But one of the nicest people. Runs a, a gym in Biarritz in France. And... If you ever get the chance to meet him and talk to him, he's just a really, really good guy. But as Andy says, a dangerous individual, highly dangerous. And individual. I always thought, I, I think we've discussed this before, but I always thought he kind of let you get mopped up on down the mat for a while. Like he wasn't, he wasn't very quick to dive in and, and yeah. stop it. Yeah, he fights. Um, but he, <coughs> but he, he was a, a great exponent of that. So look at the guys who fall on, on those cage war shows. Who you, well, cage wars in general, and yourself and Patty have a great deal of input into making those people what they were. You mentioned Jesse Adomond on the fight in the UFC. There was mm-hmm. Harry Neva. There was other guys like Cyril Diabati. He fought Matt Trini that night. Yep. And I remember he was pressed up against the cage. I don't know if you were there or you were away. It was the elbow. And I remember Cyril looking down at me and John Cavan and I shouted elbow and he elbowed him in the face and the blood squirted out of him. Matt Trini, Matt Trini has actually went on to quite good things in Australia. He, yeah. fought, he fought in Japan and Australia. Matt, was was a, Matt wasn't much bigger than me. That's the thing. But he was built like an oxo cube. He was horrifically muscled. And Cyril struggled with him up until he, he, he split him clean open and the blood, was, uh, uh, that was stopped straight away actually yeah. with, the, with the cut. But Cyril, and then you think of all the other people who passed through there, obviously Seth Petricelli, we had um, Ramco Pardo, we had Chico Bueno, so there was all these big, big stars, or but all the big, big stars. Mm. Um, Cage Wars Galway was the next one, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, Jockham Hansen fought in that, um, with the Raffles La Rose, we started to get involved with um, some of the guys from Holland, uh, Martin De Jong and people like that. Um, good guys. Um, Vincent Latour. Vincent well. Latour, who... who Hugely underrated European fighter, um, fought and won, did quite well on one. I think he's retired now. I think he might have retired. Yeah. I see just me. I hope he's retired. Yeah, he he was he was very very talented guy. Um, by all accounts, a great coach. Also, Irish superstar Greg Lochran. Yeah, um, uh, a legend of a, a legend of a man. Best fighter ever to come out of the island of Ireland by far. You in think? Yeah, hundred percent. In my opinion, that, yeah. that man. Well, he almost single handedly stopped Bellator from existing. Yeah, yeah, by dropping Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> dropping Eddie Alvarez. Um, um, still um, the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. Body shot from Greg Lochran. Is that up, right? Up in the EFR, DB Patterson's place. Yeah. Hit me a body shot, and I've never like. It was one of those. It was the perfect body shot because you you feel fine. Then then like, you walk away two seconds later. Second, you're, you're, I was on my knees. I was, had to go out and be sick. He hit me that hard. Holy shit. But then came back in. He was like, you all right? Hi, Grant. <laughs> Greg's a lovely guy. Yeah. Like, I haven't spoken to him or seen him in years. Like, Daily Fulton Cage was well. John Williamson, another standout um, um, of English MMA at the time. So that went on Cage Wars. That was Cage Wars. Um, and in, in Galway as well, Tom fought. Do you remember Tom Lamont fought? Yeah. What did you call the guy? Big, big uh, Ingerson or something against some um, Swedish guy. Really, it was a, he was a very young dude. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so, but that that was basically your competition at the time Cage Wars was created. Yeah. Um, because it was difficult for people in Ireland, Great Britain. He's well, gonna eat his quiche now. No, I don't want a bit of quiche. <laughs> I've never eaten a quiche. Why? I've never pulled guard. I've never pressed a brake in the motorway. I've never had a vegetarian meal. What can I say? <laughs> so, what with, a, with regards to promotion and being involved in that side of thing, what were some of the highlights for you and your time in that kind of a position? That was the bit I kind of enjoyed the most. Why so? Um, the feeling of accomplishment. Mm. It's good. If you can sort of set something up and you know, we've left an you've left an indelible mark on the landscape. Of, like, I I I like to yeah I would like to think that you know um, it's a legacy. It's yeah. a legacy. I you know myself and other people don't really get mentioned a hell of a lot, and you know and the things people maybe know, but oh yes, I did this, I did that. But it's it's hopefully launched a few people's careers. It's maybe brought people into the sport who maybe wouldn't have been into the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a, a great sport. Um, it has uh, so many pluses. It creates so many positives. It's, um, it, it, it educates people. It brings people together. It crosses cultural boundaries. It does so, so much. Um, it, it should be absolutely you know put on a pedestal. If you take part in a sport or a, a, a thing that is really, really difficult, boxing, you know, for instance, wrestling. You do build a camaraderie with people. Mm-hmm. You build a camaraderie with your teammates. You build a camaraderie with your coaches. You build a camaraderie with your opponents. Uh, and that teaches you lessons in life that you don't get just if you work in an office. Mm. That you never know if you work in an office. You never know if you, you know, you're just you know driving a taxi or doing something like this here. I think it instills a level of resilience that yeah. a lot of people lack nowadays, especially in the snowflake generation. Mm. A lot of people lack uh, resilience or are offended by everything and don't have the wherewithal to, to move on from something. And, and I, th- I think that's something that, for me, that, that makes martial arts has been pivotal in. So building that level of resilience and uh, building that level of what wherewithal to continue to do. Better stuff. say embrace the grind. Embrace, yeah. embrace the grind, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you know, learn to be... It's one of the things about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is what I spend most of my time when I treat country and doing. Now, um you learn to be comfortable in uncomfortable positions. Yeah. Um, and that, that is something, you know, my God, I, I've been put in some uncomfortable positions and it does make a difference. You do, it is something you can rely on. So if, if you're talking about, you know, what do I, about why I enjoyed the promotion and things, because like it's the introduction of the sport. Mm-hmm. It's the introduction of it. It's what has made, uh, you know, maybe somebody, some kids who are like, oh, I wouldn't mind trying it or somebody turning it or somebody, somebody actually just enjoying it. You know, I remember actually, Straight, very, very strange. I got um, I was where I was working. We were running a show, and it was actually in the King's Hall in Belfast. And uh, can, I, can I get us a couple of tickets? Okay, no problem. You done me a favour. Got a couple of tickets. And I came and I went. I'm really disappointed in this. And he says, "Why? Well, I expected to see blood and guts, and there wasn't anything. It was all very technical." And I'm going like, "Oh, face palm." I'm taking that as a huge compliment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was, but you know what? It, it, it sort of saddened me at the time that <clears throat> they wanted something completely different than what what it actually is. Mm. But again, that was the first ever mixed martial arts show that was held in the King's Hall. Yeah. Um, which which was up to that point had been a start, historic boxing venue. Yes, and yeah. it was there was probably a lot of backlash against that. Um, but you moved on from from not only promoting but also into commentary. 
who commentated on, on local events with local boxer, um, fight, sorry, local former and another Lauren gentleman, Dave Boy McCauley. It's yep. like a Lauren triangle I'm stuck in here. You're welcome. Like like the Bermuda Triangle, I mean, a wee bit more interesting. The only thing that gets lost in Lauren is your morals. Yo. <laughs> so you went on to do that and also a lot of commentary gigs. How, how did you find doing that? It was fun. I did a particularly good one with Paul McVeigh. Yes, a very drunk commentary, if I remember, with Paul McVeigh. Paul McVeigh of Dinky Ninjas. Dinky Ninjas, an absolute legend of a man as well. Mm. Um, but that was that was very funny and very entertaining. <coughs> but was something, not something you really stuck with, because Cage Wars took off, um, and then there was the big show in the Odyssey. Yeah, that was that was brilliant. Um, I'm gonna leave part of this out and let when you I'm sure at some point you might speak to Patrick Mooney about this, Paddy Mooney. No, Paddy's a fucking weirdo, right? <laughs> <laughs> Paddy said like him. Oh, I, I, I love him. He's a legend, but I would rather him tell a story because there's a backstory to this. Well he he what he said was, I'll come on your show when you get ten thousand subscribers, right? So I'll be dead by then. But also Paddy then did, did say, I'll only come on if Johnny's on so we can take the piss out of each other. <laughs> right, okay. Well okay, I I'll do that. Uh, but um, that's a, that's, a, that sounds almost like a fight companion style uh, yeah. style one with a couple of beers watching some fights do you know what would be good to actually sit down with the two of you and watch old fights that you've promoted watch the old fights that you've put together that would and be to, a see, to see if you recall in the same way because there's bound to be little caveats and almost like watching a DVD with the commentary from the that director that would be a YouTube video extraordinary I'd like to do that do you know what part of the, unfortunately one of the things that actually happened we sent off a lot of we had a load of master tapes and the glorious post service lost them all. Mm. <coughs> um, and this is the thing when you go at the time when you posted stuff off and you've got just a couple of weeks, uh, you know, receipt, receipt and all this here, and you find out it's actually, you know, you're, it, it's worth fuck all square. Yeah, it's just a bit of paper some guy called Gary wrote for yeah, you. Um, so, yeah, so there was a lot of master tapes went missing, which is a really bad thing, which included some. Great, great fights. Um, but there's some knocking about. There's some videos knocking about in bits and pieces. But, you know, there was... They were, they were good. The, the show in the Odyssey. show in the Odyssey was spectacular. We got nearly 5,000 people in. Right? And it was 5,000 paying people. Right? Which I still think is right up there. I think maybe Bellator maybe got more in the last time they were here. But the UFC definitely didn't. No. I think the first time the UFC came here, I think... I don't know what people really want knew to expect, and I think Cage Wars had kind of. I was one of the mugs that paid for oh, UFC tickets. I, 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 I paid I for. I was given ten. You were given ten. I paid for mine. Give um, me ten. But I think Cage Wars had set the standard for an Odyssey show as well. By that, it was, it was a very very cool show, and people who were there and will stick that in their memory bank for a very very long period of time because. It what, set what year the, was that? It's two thousand and five. Five two thousand and five, and in the production of it, I. I'm going to stick my neck out here and say the production has only been bettered by Brave recently. Oh, that's a big claim. Mm-hmm. It is a big claim. It's, in my opinion, it pissed all over the UFC's mm-hmm. production at the time. There was a Dutch show called It's Showtime, which was pretty damn good too. Yeah. Um, uh, but everybody else... You know, we, we took a lot of time. Simple things like getting the colour of the canvas right for the cameras. Mm. See something think something like that. We chose a specific colour of a grey because it showed everything else off. Mm. Um, you know, the lighting, spent a fortune on the lighting of it. We brought um, lighting te- specific lighting technicians who had worked on certain events. You know, 
people were bringing people in, oh, what do you do? Well, I work in concerts, right? Okay, then we, we don't want somebody working work in concerts. We want somebody who worked in... So this, this, and wasn't, this wasn't a cavalier attitude? It wasn't a cavalier attitude. There was an was, awful lot of um, dotting eyes crossing T's. And I think people don't realise that that level of preparation goes into an MMA show. No, and, and well, so they probably don't, but it certainly went in for this one. Yeah. Um, you know, things like a video wall that had to come from Scotland. It was the first one that would ever touch down in Northern Ireland. They'd never bring, you know, and then Planet Love used something similar after yeah. seeing it at, at the MMA show. So things like that were, you know, that was something. Um, so that was interesting, you know, the fact that we actually did. And it is, it's all, this show is actually is on DVD. It was filmed. The commentary on it, I have to mention the commentary on it. Commentary on it was done by two guys, Bobby Razak and Jordan J. Adams. Two of the finest commentators. I know I'm sitting in the presence of Phil Campbell here, who's probably <laughs> up there and <laughs> thing. But listen to these boys. You know, Jordan Jay is a ba- uh, Emmy Emmy winner. I think he, w- he was at the time Emmy winner. Mm. Um, and they were so comfortable on the mic, which was ah, something different. It was. It was different. We'd never seen this before. Mm. We'd never seen this before, and it was. It was completely different. And dare I say, a level of. Razzmatazz. Oh, <laughs> this is why this fucking wordplay voice. This is why he's so good. Yeah, he does. He can he can do it. Like you know, it's uh, yeah, the rocket man we're sitting with. Um, um, that that show really set a very very high standard. And sadly, after that, that was the end of Cage yeah, Wars. Had to as a sabbatical, as it was, and I'm still hoping for the day that Cage Wars comes back. Every time I see Paddy, this is not a joke. I do go when when is this going to come back? I'm kind of hoping that there will be an anniversary show at some stage. It's the money of it. See that that show cost. I'm not going to give you the. Fair I know how much it cost. I'm not going to say it on here, but I know how much it cost. Do you have aspirations at all to, to bring it back? Oh, I'd love to do something like that. I have discussed about um, doing smaller level shows and stuff like this here. I've discussed other things as well. Other. Do you need to Oh, it would be. We would be. We do. <laughs> Always working. Um, you know that type of thing. You know, I would like to do something like that again. Maybe in a slightly smaller level than the Odyssey. Although I do know that the Odyssey had to drop its prices recently. Um, oh, insider information from the yeah. Um, so and then it, it is difficult because we have almost, in, in my opinion, we have almost reached. Um, uh, MMA is almost maxed out at a certain level in this country. It's beyond the plateau a bit. It's plateaued a bit. Mm-hmm. It needs, it needs um, a Conor McGregor to be from here to get people mm-hmm. riled up. Um, you know, we have some very, very, very good fighters. Have a Henry moment. Cargan who can fill that fucking role. Henry Cargan, yeah, Henry Cargan quite possibly. <laughs> I like him. He's a slapper. Let's, let's call him what he is. Like, I love him. He's a slapper and we But, you know, we do have Reese McKee here, right? Oh. We have very, very highly. Mm-hmm. We have Norman Park who's carving out a great... Norman's brilliant. ...career yeah. in KSW. In KSW, yeah. Um, um, but that's kind of it. Mm. You know, nobody else well, stands out. I mean, well, obviously, he's on the other side of the world at the minute, but Alan Philpott. Alan Philpott, yeah, but. Yeah, with one. Yeah, mm-hmm. with one. Hopefully, hopefully he'll have. Liam McCord as well. So we can't Liam McCord, potentially, yeah. Um, miss out on Leah. Yeah, you know, um, but that's kind of it. But, it's, but it's, take, it's going to take, obviously, we're captivated by them because we are mixed martial arts fans. It's going to take somebody to, to captivate somebody who's not. That's part of, that's part of This the is where the McGregor community. thing, the McGregor yeah. thing came in. And unfortunately, 
What is that a damning indictment of where the sport is now? Though? Absolutely, it is one hundred percent. But the unfortunate thing is when Conor McGregor did it, he was original. Mm. Everybody else that does it now is going. He's just trying to be McGregor. Yeah. So that's it's a hard act to follow. It's, that's a, it's a fucking hard, hard act, act to follow. follow. It's an impossible mm. act to follow, in mm. my opinion. So somebody's going to need to do something McGregor again, uh, twice at least, so our algorithm kicks off like Teal Sonnen does. So every third word is McGregor. Is McGregor. It? McGregor. Should we stick that in the title for this one? Maybe. <laughs> I might just say McGregor once more, just in case. Mm-hmm. Or Connor, as he calls him. Uh, so that was basically the end of, of Cage Wars as it was. Mm-hmm. And you then have now more or less filtered into training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu more than mm-hmm. ever before. You are Gracie Barrett Brown Belt, which I've said before. In any other place, you'd be a black belt. And we all know it's very, it's notoriously difficult. Said notorious, sir, again from McGregor. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's notoriously <laughs> difficult to get a black belt in Gracie Barra. So um, you're at brown belt level, and where are you training now? Training Gracie Barra Belfast with, in my opinion, the best coach of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in on the island of Ireland, and one of the best in the UK, Graham Keys, mm. um, an absolute encyclopedia and legend of a man. Um, very very good friend to me as well. Um, Graham is the top coach. I can attest to that. Uh, his, his his mind is a jiu-jitsu mind. It's a jiu-jitsu brain. He just mm. sees things and he understands it. And he can look at things and do it. Uh, you, can, you have black belts out there, and Graham's very mo- modest. You have black belts out there who are competition black belts. Mm. You have black belts out there who are just club black belts, which is what I will end up being. But Graham's got the coaching brain black belt. He's got the way he can look and he can assess things. It's an analytical brain. It's 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 like and it's also the type of brain that works out. Okay, well, this is the way you're meant to do that. But you know what? I think I can change that. I can do this here. I can work it that way. And it's just a, it's a developing thing. Mm-hmm. You say analytically, it is, but it's it's analyzing to develop. Mm-hmm. It's not analyze. It's not being analytical to just do the same thing that the technique has been shown to him before. You know, he can sit and work it out and do it. And he's a great coach as well. Um, from the point of view that having him in your corner or in a, a competition or something like that, you know, you'll hear him across the room. Mm. <laughs> you know, he, he, he just, you know, you can't not hear him. The gym set up itself. Then there yeah, are gym set is, 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 is it, as good as it gets. It really is as good as it gets. Um, <clears throat> and they have a lot of competition winners now mm-hmm. as well. Gracie Barr is a very, very successful club. Mm-hmm. One of the most successful clubs on the island of Ireland um, as far as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Comic And UK. Over. And mm. United Kingdom, yeah. Um, so what we we um, I used a picture of you in your final fight which you won if you remember it was mm-hmm. in Ultimate Fight Night which was in the Europa, Europa Hotel yep. the a pair of red Viper gloves Vipers. I've still got my Vipers don't want mine are they're, um, my, they're my first pair of MMA gloves I've still got my Vipers you got given a load of those free didn't they well you got given a whole load of them free um, I stole them Whenever he's all fucking... They, they did have a wrist strap so much there's a bit of foam that folded down. It's just foam. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But there was other ones before. Did you remember the ones with a wee cross on them? Harbinger. No, Harbinger did Rogue. Not. Hold on, Oano. No, before Oano. Guaranteed yeah. that was Oano with a cross Rogue. on it. Uh, no, it's like an original UFC gloves with a wee cross on it, a wee like, Swiss flag on it. I don't know if they were mm. rogue. The rogue were uh, like a, a they were the, nah, they were in the same sort of the same, yeah. same bracket. You f- you find your way in the coaching now. You mm-hmm. coach um you coach at IFS. You coach mm-hmm. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for MMA. Was that something you progressed to naturally? Was that something you always wanted to do? Because that keeps that, that's that's a foot in both both camps. So to speak. Yeah. you're involved in the MMA side of things, but you're also imparting some Jiu Jitsu knowledge. It wasn't something that I particularly thought about doing. Um, you know, I was helping out and coaching in Gracie Barra for a long time. I didn't really enjoy coaching. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It, it's it's it can be difficult. 
Mm. You know, you have to commit to things and have to do it. But I've enjoyed the coaching at IFS. I've enjoyed the coaching when I do it in Gracie Barra. As you get older, you know, you sort of begin to change how you're, you're, you know, you're outlook on these things mm-hmm. and how things go. And I think I'm a better coach than what I ever was as a fighter. Um, uh, I, I do try very, very hard to simplify things because especially at the level of what most of the guys are fighting at, uh, it's, it's simplicity will win the fight and good, good solid basics is what will win you the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very, and there are some great guys coming up. I, like Obviously, I don't know the other guys uh, who are fighting out of different clubs but people like Dave Hill people like Henry Corrigan mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're really really good fighters and they're going to get better and better and better you know any of the Corrigan brothers some of the, the other guys out of IFS they all have great potential mm. um, you know they can there's and hopefully you know the, the goal of a coach should be take them as far as you can and then there you go it's time for you to go and find somebody better than me. Yeah. Somebody to do it. But that's, I agree with that. That's, that's, a, that's, that's my job. The, the, the real role of a coach yeah. is to guide them as far as that person can guide them, but also to guide them to somewhere else who who will obviously take them that little step further. And I know I know firsthand that you've done that. I know there have been fighters that mm-hmm. you've that you've reached out to other coaches and you've set things up for people. You've set yeah. up your training opportunities for people. You've set mm-hmm. up fight opportunities mm-hmm. for people. So I think you know that again speaks to your level of humility as a coach. But also your level as well of respect in the game. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, there, there's there are some. Do you know what? There's there is so many good coaches out there mm. that are so accessible. You don't need to go to America or Brazil. You know, we have some brilliant coaches. Here. Some brilliant Fucking coaches in the UK. We have some brilliant coaches on our flight away. Davy Patterson. Davy Patterson, fantastic <laughs> coach. Fan, fan Rodney, Rodney, Moore. Rodney Moore, another great coach. Mm. Andy Ryan, John Cavanaugh. Yeah. Me. Um, <laughs> just threw that one in there at the end there. Yeah, um, all of those guys are all top top notch. But even an, an hour's flight away, you go to Holland, you've got Mike Passenier out of um, Mike's gym, you yeah. have uh, Bert Cops out of Cops gym, mm-hmm. trains Gegard, Musashi and Fedor. Really? Could you get any better than that? Oh, the two of them are okay, so they are. Yeah, I'm not really not sure you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have really good clubs in France, you have Hot Tension, you have the Chivo Brothers in Avignon, you have London. London, you have London Shoot Fighters, God knows who else is down there. Scottish, Scottish, Scottish Hit Squad. Scottish Hit Squad. Yeah. Yeah. Carbon, Next Gen. Carbon, yeah, of course. Next mm-hmm. Generation in Liverpool. These are like a half hour flight away. Mm-hmm. Um, you have couple of hours flight three hours flight you're going into Scandinavia and Gustafsson's team and Muller, yeah. and, uh, and Molnar in Iceland you mm-hmm. know you have Gunnar Nelson in Iceland as well yeah, yeah. Facility yeah. what do you call um, you have uh, Alliance uh, Hilti in uh, fin- I think it's in Finland mm-hmm. um, you know that, that's that's Bef- you know, so much cheaper, so much easier, more accessible. Spain is another great gym. Yeah, Elliot yeah. Topuria comes out of there from uh, BJJ Black Belt, undefeated fighter, would have been the Cage Warriors champion had he not missed weight. Mm-hmm. So some, yeah, like in, yeah, in, so in Europe, we have some fantastic. Europe teams. is Europe is beginning to catch up with the US. Mm-hmm. I be- honestly believe Europe will catch up with the US. Yeah, but I think we're ca- I think we're all caught up, and that's you like, think so, I yeah? think up now. Yeah, yeah, and there's specific weights that obviously. Yeah, are dominated by Americans but you're looking at now people like Valentina Shevchenko who's an Eastern European yes but she's from this side of the pond Khabib uh, Khabib we've Khabib. caught up I, I, and no matter what the Yanks like to think about we've definitely caught up Khabib's cousin now yeah Zabat Ma- and the other guy Magomed Sharapov well done that was effortless seamless yes you practiced that only a lot <laughs> <laughs> um, he, you know these are alright they're 
more into Russia and things like that. But these are good guys, you know. Mm. They will drag people up, mm. you know. Spain appears to have an MMA show every bloody week. Yeah. Right. Notice that, and like there was one at Castle Mayorga not that long ago. All the time, it has MMA shows, Mm -hmm. and so that has to be that shows you the amount of fighters that there are in one country. If they can put a show, but it doesn't have of interest or Spanish. It's not like they're bringing foreign guys Mm -hmm. in. Yeah, but then there's obviously Italy as well. You have. Uh, what do you call your dude? Alessio Sakara. Yeah. Ivan Saretti, Ivan Saretti, yeah. heavyweight champion, yeah. and then went on to the UFC. Yeah. That's right. He beat Carr, didn't he? Was that the guy? He was the guy. He, did he fight in one FC as well? I think he did. Yeah. Um, Brandon Vera, I think, tanked him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vera's next level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the the state of MMA is very, very, very healthy, healthy, healthy or uh, you I know. think it's healthier in other places than it is here. Mm. So do well, I, I think we're selling myself short. I think it's still developing here. I think yeah, that's why. There's yeah, it's uh, you know I there's, there's still that element of evolution. Whereas, yeah. whereas I'm not saying it's stagnant in the likes of America or anything, but it's it's established and it is what it is. There's nobody really pushing forward no. with, with anything new or innovative. It's it's um, out of all the MMA coaches in America, if I could pick one that I would have wanted to have gone and trained with, it would be Matt Hume. Yeah, I suppose so, Washington. yeah. Washington. AMC Pancreation. Yeah. Um, the guy just has a brain mm-hmm. of, on, on a different level. Like he is Johnson. hands-on mm-hmm. all the time too. Mm-hmm. Matt Hume... And his involvement in Pride as well, it can't be understated. Yeah, he basically was in Pride in the background. You know, yeah. he was the guy. He's now um, doing a lot of work with 1FC, I think, at mm-hmm. the moment, yeah. Um... He is, he's, you know, people hear about, you know, um, some of the other coaches who are coming out of sort of Arizona and places like this, but he, he's he's on a different level for me. But I think he, whenever you watch him with Demetrius um, Johnson. Johnson, it's like he's playing an Xbox game or a PlayStation game with him. Yeah. Literally what he says, he carries out instantaneously. Yeah. And it's normally to the detriment of the poor dude who's in the, in the ring or cage with him. Mighty Mouse has just found his home. I think. I, I hope so, but I think he. I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back in the UFC. Do you really? I, I, I think, think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think you reckon? Back, yeah. I think Bellator probably snap him up. No, can pay money for that dude. I suppose Bellator, 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 Bellator can pay money. Yeah. Should they still got a Viacom uh, connection? Yeah. So, I, Cyborg's getting paid more now in Bellator than she was than she ever was. The Josh Thompson story as well about when he left the UFC. And what when he, he left Strikeforce. Strikeforce. Yes, that's right. Josh Thompson. Josh Thompson. Says when he left Strike Force mm-hmm. to go to the UFC, the UFC were paying him ex- or offered him exponentially less mm-hmm. than he was getting on a Strike Force team. And just because it's the, the most high profile game mm-hmm. they took it in town. I, you know what? I couldn't. <clears throat> I couldn't honestly push a young fighter towards the UFC with no good conscience. Yeah. It wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be what I do. I believe that Brave is a better organisation. Just not on that point. Like I've spoken, like I'm not mentioning any names, but there have been guys that have transitioned from the UFC to Brave, mm-hmm. and they say that their experiences of being involved in an organisation like Brave is night and day to what it was in the UFC. Which for me, as a fan, mm-hmm. is disappointing to hear because you yeah. expect so certain the gravity of the UFC to be. I I don't believe I I I think I read somewhere about. Um, some of the lower level UFC fighters not even meeting the likes of Dana. They just never, mm. I would never met them. Just numbers? They're just numbers. They don't yeah. fill out the card. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's particularly right. Um, it's not I particularly think, good for the fighter, you know, either. It's no, not particularly um, good for their confidence. It's not particularly good for their career path. No. Um, that's it. It's coming to a grinding halt. And I, I do think that organisations like Brave, M1, which is still going strong. KSW. KSW, which... Cage Warriors. <coughs> KSW, 
deserves a separate mention because it is spectacular. It really is. It really does the big show really, really well in big arenas. I think it was a 55,000 or something. This is one of the biggest attendances of any... Um, what did it did Wembley well. when it came over here, didn't it? Yeah, did Wembley, but it did some big stadium in Poland. Yeah, yeah, that was the one that uh, Norman Fork uh, Norman Park fought uh, Gamrot on. Is that the guy guys his eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I have to say, you know, I don't like to slag people up, but he does seem to be a fucking rat. Well, and, and it's worth it brilliantly for Norman because he seems to have got a great fan base out there and he's now the champ and well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Norman's a superstar. Nice so. guy, really good guy mm-hmm. too. Uh, this, this was the guy that was continually eye gouging and then there mm-hmm. was the, the fucking he as well. Yeah, he he as well. Jesus. Poor Norman. He's been through the ringer. He's, th- he's He's done it the hard way. Yeah, he's finally starting to get the recognition he hasn't done. I honestly do hope that Norman makes plenty of money out of this. I hope oh, he is making. I hope he makes a fortune and because he, he deserves it. Yeah, so, through you know, He's probably. It's. I'd go out on a limb now, and it's just me sort of surmising. But I reckon he's probably making more money now than he was outside of the USC than he did when he was part. I hope he is. Yeah. Yep. Um. Right. So I'm gonna send. I used a picture of you. Um. And put it on our. <laughs> A story for um, on our socials, on the socials, on the socials, on the socials, on the story, and I asked people to give questions, and we actually got quite a good response. So I well, picked out a couple okay. of questions. Well. This is from Sean in Belfast. Uh, what Sean says is, "What advice would Johnny give to a kid just starting off his martial arts journey?" <coughs> martial arts journey that that covers a really really broad church. Mm. So it does you know? Are we talking an MMA journey? Well, I'm going to assume that he said that that's exactly what he's mm-hmm. doing. Get a, get a core art, get a core style. Be it kickboxing, be it Thai boxing, be it grappling. Get mm-hmm. a core thing and get proficient in that. There are <clears throat> really, really, really well. You know, the Dutch do this brilliantly. The Japanese did this brilliantly. You have a proper path into professional MMA. You start off with a core out, would be it kickboxing in Holland, be it grappling in Japan. Mm-hmm. You get competent that you do your grappling competitions, you do your grappling competitions, and as many of them as humanly possible. You do your kickboxing competitions as many as humanly possible. So you're used to fighting in front of crowds, you're used to the pressure, you're used to doing basic things like making weight and um, <clears throat> the pressure of the fight and the coming up to it. So by, by that point, you're competent in that. Then you can begin to transition and you add bits to your core mm-hmm. art. Um, then they, they would have like amateur MMA shows where there's no head strikes you got like old C class and D class oh yeah whatever they whatever they were I never really liked those but you <coughs> shin guards you have you know head guards the debate about them is what isn't going for a different story or no head strikes at all you have big puffy gloves and you can go and do this here so you've got once you've got that you've got carpet in that well you can take the head guard off then and then you're now mm-hmm. fighting with certain under certain things, but with some protective equipment, then you go into the professional ranks. So, so you have a clearly defined path yeah, all the way through. Yeah, so steady wins the race. Exactly. Your, your advice for Sean would be then: young person starting out in martial arts, get yourself a core art first. Core art first, absolutely. That's it in a nutshell. I know I waffled over. No, that's fine. It's just, <laughs> so I'll have um, another question. This is from Jack Aaron Stoops from uh, the Super Rad MMA show as well, Polygon Media. Um, what Jack says is what ask Johnny um, what he feels the gay in BJJ offers to MMA oh right soapbox time <laughs> now, now we, we've had this conversation a yeah. couple of times what does it offer mm-hmm. it, it should be an absolute uh, absolute core part of it 
the gi leaves you no option of slipping out of things mm. in a grappling thing. It makes everything you do tight and controlling. If you only do no gi grappling, you can realise we get a bit of a sweat on, you get this here, mm -hmm. there's movement in it and you can do it and it's easier to get out of things. The gi doesn't give you that luxury, that, luxury, that chance. Mm -hmm. If you're in and you're, you're somebody grabs you, you know, you're in that position. The gi also gives you certain strengths like hand control, grip control. This is very, very important for MMA. It's very, very, very important because all clinches start with, with a, a grab. grab, right? So you need to have a decent grip. You need decent grip strength and need to know where to grab people. Mm -hmm. So the gi is invaluable. There are, it used to be, <clears throat> if you follow this for as long as I have, you'll have known about ADCC. And for a while, the American wrestlers dominated. Yeah. They dominated. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys went They're away. They were boring, but they dominated. They yeah, the wrestlers, yeah. The Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys. Mark Coleman. Jeff Monson. Yeah. People like that. Um, but the Brazilians went away. And the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys went away. And they went, how can we beat these boys? Mm. We need to be able to beat these boys. So they took a wee bit of the wrestling. They took a wee bit of this here. And they, they managed to formulate a way of grappling to counter mm. this. And it's now not gone quite full circle, but basically what it is is that now that every single one who is a champion, or virtually every single one mm. of those who is a champion in ADC and no gay grappling, is a champion in gay grappling. Mm. They all come from a gay background. Yeah. Right? It is a very safe way. If you want to train for a long time, you train the gay. You want to you want to end up with injuries or do something like that, take the gay off. Mm. The gay <laughs> the gay is so, so important. And it just it just it, it has to be seen to be believed. There's a, a, <clears throat> a fellow from IFS, I'm not gonna mention his name, he recently has come down to Gracie Barra, mm -hmm. right? And he just can't get over it. The he's difference? Just, the difference, he's just gone, I can pour out of things, I can do this, I can do that, and he comes down and somebody half his weight, right, with half his experience strangling him is making him cry. Yeah. And that's what it does. And it, it, it it's so gay, absolutely. If you want to train to be a fighter, you want to train to do this here. Get a gale. Get a gale. Last question, and I'll let Phil read this one. <laughs> it's from another listener. So this is from Mark in Singapore. Asks, while the UFC is still the Premier League of MMA, don't you agree that challenger brands like One FC are starting to poach top level US and European talent? How do you think one can keep paying these fighters enough money to travel to the far side of the earth and keep up the pretense that the earth is a globe? <laughs> Is this guy a clue bag? <laughs> <laughs> and just on that, that actually that was a question from a listener who is a friend of both of ours. Um, hello, he is actually in Singapore at the moment. That's a question from a loyal listener, Mark Curry. <laughs> Mark Curry's a tramp. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm one of the funniest dudes in the planet, but that is a, a superb question. Oh, I just want to put it put it to bed. I'd say that it fell a little bit flat. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's been a perpetual joke for a long period of time I'll just put it to bed now Johnny Burrs is not a flat earther I think it's a hollow earth theory you're into isn't it mm. ow <laughs> um, no not a flat earther um, what can I say that has been a, a very quick rundown of a, a, a long and storied career in mixed martial arts and but, uh, the style hasn't finished by any stretch no, no. of imagination well you know what it, um, <clears throat> I do think that um there's plenty of potential, you know, there's, it's actually funny, just so I know that we're going to wrap this up here, but when you were 40 years old, you stopped sparring. Yeah. 
Right. Mm-hmm. I, sp- I did five five minute rounds today, tonight mm-hmm. with boxing. You know what I mean? I can't not do this. <clears throat> you know what I mean? I know I'm not as fit. I know I've had a hip replacement. Mm-hmm. My shoulder's hanging off and I've got a broken finger at the moment. But I can't not do this. And if what, I, many knee operations? Four knee operations? Five. Five knee operations? Five. Um, and I know I'm maybe not in the best shape that I could be in anything like this here. But I can't not do this. Mm. This is what keeps me going. It is a drug. It is a drug. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very healthy drug. It's a healthy-ish drug. <laughs> Since he, with a hip replacement, five knee ups, a dislocated shoulder yeah, and a broken finger. To keep on the sort of the jiu-jitsu theme, it really does have its hooks into you. Uh, oh, yes, yes, um, just outstanding um, stuff. Um, <laughs> fuck, you're choking me. Dear, dear, dear. But that's, I think it's... Um, I think it would be rude of us not to have you on again because we've, I, we we say this with a lot of our guests, we've barely scratched the surface with what we could talk to you about. That was very much a brief introduction into your your time in martial arts and I think if we get you and Paddy on, Paddy Mooney on at the same yeah. time, I think we could... Uh, I can't promise I'm not going to hit him. Well, if we do, yeah, we'll do a YouTube video for that. That'd be, that'd be a great video podcast. Yeah. But no, I think that'd be fun. Uh, but uh, Johnny, anything else you want to say on? No, uh, not really. No, thanks very much for having me. Um, it's it, it's been interesting. Um, it's been fun remembering about a lot of a lot of these things. A lot of mine kind of need reminded of, which possibly <laughs> maybe is, should stop sparring. Maybe I should stop sparring. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I, I, you know, it, it's. This is a fun thing to do, mm. you know. It's a fun thing for people to do. Um, they don't need to have the bullshit that we spoke about earlier on. It, it's just a good thing. Just keep it as it is and enjoy it. And you know, hopefully, hopefully somebody new will come to this and try it again. So every time somebody new turns up, it's a good crack. Yeah, it's always good fun teaching or showing somebody <coughs> something that blows their mind. Yeah, that's always quite interesting. <gasps> you know, that you're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, but. Uh, so that's about it for me where can people find you if they want to follow you on any social media uh, do you know what I'm on Facebook I pretty much accept everybody um, Facebook whore I am a Facebook whore because Instagram does my tits in um, I think I've posted one I have like 200 odd followers and I've posted one photo right what a photo though the best oh, it was of a tree oh some tree though I think it was a tree oh, um, yeah. but anyway you know, I, I, so I don't quite get it um, I'm on Facebook I accept uh, everybody until they annoy me Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, that's about the height of it. Um, if uh, there's, uh, if anybody wants to train jiu jitsu, Gracie Barra, look it up and it's on Facebook. It's on Gracie Barra and I. Uh, it's well worth checking out. There are some absolute beasts in there, but they're all very, very good guys. If you want to do MMA, IFS club is a good starting point mm-hmm. for anybody else. Some very good coaches here. I'm sitting with two of them at the moment. Um, so. That's that's basically it. That's all, folks. Perfect, um, folks. Just to um, close out, um, that to say that was a good chat would be a dramatic understatement. So please go and follow Johnny on FacePest, um, and make sure you do annoy him when you're on there. See how long it takes you to get kicked off. <laughs> but you can also go and follow us on the socials. Seamless segue. Um, you can also go and follow us on the socials on not another fight, ca- not another fightcast <laughs> on Instagram, and also not another fightcast on. Facebook. Phil, where can we find you? You can find me on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) On a large premier establishment. You find me on Facebook, it's just Phil Campbell, and on Instagram, it's PC 
sorry, at PC underscore commentary, and that is purely MMA orientated bits and pieces. Can I give one wee quick shout out to two people? Yes, absolutely. Very, very, very quickly. Michael Heaney for the boxing tonight and Marty Nogger just for being Marty Nogger. Perfect. Um, two good guys as well. You can find me on anti social media, basically on Instagram at the underscore icon 77. It's basically just related, mostly related to boxing pictures of my dog. So it leaves us to say we have been not another fight cast with the wonderful Johnny Burroughs. And Phil, what would you like to say to close us out? Peace, love, and Batman. See you soon, folks.